podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Yes, this is Philip Slavin with the 1012 Podcast. This is a Tuesday. Now, we don't normally have an episode today. This is a bonus episode. I I realized that we have a pretty set schedule of Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mondays are our our weekend recaps. Wednesdays are our big game previews. Fridays, we make picks for the weekend coming up. And it's a great format, and I love it. And I'm happy to continue to do the show that way. But the, the one thing I've realized is it doesn't allow the opportunity for conversations about other things other sports that may be going on right now, big, big stories, because otherwise our episodes are just going to get incredibly long, and I just, I don't want them to. So, with that in mind, uh, on occasion, we're going to do little bonus episodes for you, uh, like we are today. Now, I have Matt Brown of SB Nation on the show to talk about the bill that the state of California has passed called the Fair Pay to Play Act, or SB 206, which passed by California lawmakers would allow college athletes to be compensated for their uh, name and likeness. It's obviously something that the NCAA isn't happy about. They have threatened to uh, kick the state of California out of NCAA championships. This is becoming a a big deal. It's a story that kind of came out last week, but it's such a big deal, I wanted to have a conversation about it. And Matt Brown had a really interesting article, has a a lot of insight into this. This is kind of an an area where sports meets politics that he does a really good job of covering. So I brought him on today so that we could have a, a good conversation about this because it affects all of college athletics. That includes the Big 12. Bonus episode. Hope you guys like it. I think it's really good. And uh, let's get to it. So there is a big story in college sports, if you haven't heard. State of California uh, is basically trying to help break through for college players to start getting compensated in some way. Obviously, this is a, a big story that's developed over 
a long time, but now the NCAA finally finds themselves at, at somewhat of a crossroads and getting ready for a, a fight. It's a complicated story to me, and, and one that I think is worth talking about. So I'm very excited to have Matt Brown from SB Nation joining the show today. Matt, welcome to the 1012. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Um, so um, you have an article you put out last week that I thought was really interesting. And I want to get to it, but I kind of want to start just help everyone kind of understand uh, what the situation in California is. Sure. So um, California's state house, the state senate has passed uh, what's called uh, SB 206 or the Fair Pay to Play Act, which stipulates essentially that uh, student a- that NCAA athletes in California um, regardless of what the NCAA says, will be allowed to monetize their likeness rights. Um, effective January 1st, 2023. And if the NCAA can't penalize them for that. So hypothetically, if this bill, which still needs to be signed by Governor Gavin Newsom, although that's he's expected to do that, seeing as the bill passed unanimously, uh, both all Republicans and Democrats with California voted for it. Um, it would allow, if you're, say, a football player at UCLA, UCLA and a car dealership wants to pay you $10,000 to appear in an ad, um, you can do that. And if the NCAA says, no, you can't, California says, well, the loss here says that we can. Um, this is the biggest and I, I think most substantial legislative challenge to the NCAA. NCAA's amateurism status quo. Um, California is not the only one. Uh, state, state politicians in Washington and Colorado have considered relatively similar legislation. There's been legislation proposed most recently as of yesterday in South Carolina. Uh, that's a little bit different. You've had at least one state house uh, member in Tennessee propose something similar. And I would imagine that there's going to be other states that are going to at least consider uh, similar kinds of the rules. The NCAA has said, hey, uh, if this goes into effect exactly how you have it written right now, we're going to ban all of the California schools from NCAA um, championships, to which California, the, the California congressperson who wrote the law says, now we'll sue if you do that. So we're going to see now over the next couple of years whether the NCAA's working group on likeness rights will be able to craft something that will give uh, people th- these rights back in some capacity. Um, or if they're able to craft some kind of legislative compromise before we get a lot of lawsuits. Let's just say it is impressive that all Republicans and Democrats found something they could agree on in the state of California uh, just to get something actually passed through. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it is interesting. This has been a, a, a bipartisan political challenge. You know, the, I think it's Mark Harris. I believe is a conservative, like pretty really conservative congressman from North Carolina, U.S. congressman. He's criticized this model. He's been proposing changes. The, some of the politicians out west in Colorado and Washington that were pitching this were Republicans. It's not just a progressive liberal initiative. This is something that a lot of different politicians are looking at and saying, what we have right now is not working. Obviously, something is going to have to change. If, you know, the NCAA can make threats, but I think that's about all they can do. And and I am curious if this bill can actually force the NCAA's hand. At some point, the two sides are going to have to come um, to the table and start to discuss what they can actually achieve. Um, your article, you talked to a, a few different people about what those possibilities might be. What do you think, look, I, I doubt that, that the way the bill is posed is going to ever fully take place. But I am curious what you envision the outcome of this actually being. What what I think is going to happen 
is that right now the NCAA has a working group to study likeness rights, and they are expected to, I believe, give an update in October. I don't think that they're going to have their final policy, but you have athletic directors and university presidents and former conference commissioners all discussing this right now. Well, my guess is the NCAA is going to come back and say, okay, we're going to allow limited likeness rights, but we're going to we're going to continue to tether this to education. So either they're going to cap the amount of money that uh, a football player or a basketball player can get or they're going to you know put that fund into an escrow so they can't actually get the money until after they graduate or there's going to be some limits on what kinds of uh, companies or what kind of endorsement deals you can you can get, right? Like I I imagine the NCAA is not going to want the starting quarterback for Penn State to have a deal with a gambling company or like a marijuana dispensary or like a strip club or, or something like that. Um, and, and so they're, they're going to have to bargain those things. There's going to be some economists and some people that say, hey, this is a civil rights issue and we shouldn't negotiate at all. Like we should let everybody have full likeness rights. That's what every student actually gets. My guess is that there's going to be some kind of temporary compromise that tries to that, to bring bring both sides here together a little bit. So I, I don't know if we're going to if we're going to have total um, free market principles, which is, is for me personally what I kind of lean a little bit closer towards. Um, but the idea of amateurism as it is defined in 2019, sustaining for the next couple of years, I don't, I don't think there's any chance of that happening. So I agree that I've never thought that, that the school should pay the players. I think there's there's too many issues with that. But I, I've always thought the best solution is is this: allowing the players to compensate from their names and likeness. If for no other reason than we all get you know NCAA college football back uh, as a video game, which will be mm-hmm. great. But there is something to, you know, the argument is that this is what all students get. They can they can make money off their name like this. But what about the argument that part of the reason that these players uh, are as familiar and, and, and famous as they are is because they're wearing the colors and, and the logo and the brand of the school that they are wearing? Sure. I, oh, I mean, like, that, that, that's definitely part of it, um, particularly as it, as it pertains to the football game. But uh, and I've 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 heard that complaint. Like I I suspect that the number of like football and basketball players who individually have a ton of value in the marketplace, independent of just how good they are at sports, is not super strong. But the fact that your value is maximized because you go to Duke for basketball or Alabama football, to me that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be still compensated for for your labor. Right? Like 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 right now, like I, I don't think I'm a uh, I'm talking out of school here. Like right now, people are getting paid <laughs> because they're good at football to attend football, uh, certain football programs. It's, it's not to go sign autographs or, or cut a commercial, but like somebody's paying offensive linemen in the SEC or the Big 12 or the Big 10. It's just under the table right now. And, and my hope is that this can bring some of this um, over the table. So I have been curious, you know, bringing it over the table, it doesn't mean that there's not still going to be some ways that things are done where obviously you see a kid um, who's getting compensated probably more than his actual, you know, name and likeness value is just to make sure he comes to the school. Does this offer the opportunity to try and clean some of that up a little bit? You know, maybe, maybe, I mean, I, I, I think that's going to happen, but where I'm coming to, especially now that I've studied the history of college football here so much, you wrote a book about it and, and that, that's been a, a major part of this newsletter. What so what if a guy is being paid twenty grand more than he you know quote unquote should uh, just to play football somewhere? Does that who does that hurt? If it's the idea of that hurts competitive parity, well, 
I don't think college football's ever really had competitive parity. It's generally been the same 12 programs that are, are, are winning every year for the last hundred years. And, and part of that is because they're able to offer more to a player, whether that's cold, hard cash, whether that's superior facilities or superior coaching or superior other things that money can buy. So I don't really look at this as bringing this above the board or even somebody being paid above their market value. Although your market value is what somebody will pay you. And um, I don't see that as, as hurting anybody. I think what's nice about this is that if people could do it legally, less of that money goes to middlemen and more of it can go directly to the player. You know, if, if we're able to cut some of the AAU coaches out or the, the proverbial uncles um, or handlers out of this situation and just let people cut checks to the kid, are some of those kids going to do dumb things with more money? Of course, just like you and I might have done dumb things with more money if we suddenly had, you know, $45,000 in cash when we were, we were sophomores in college. But I don't I don't I, I think that the benefits out for this far outweigh the potential negatives. Yeah, I do think that ties back to the, to the FBI's case into um, into corruption in college basketball. And, and you see how much of the money maybe went to the players and how much actually just went to, quote unquote, agents and middlemen and and other guys who were comp basically getting making money off of these players Um and forgive me, I forgot the name. The, the the player who went to to Kansas, who may not even have gotten a dollar or known anything about the fact that money was yep. being swapped hands to make sure that he went to Kansas. And to, to get those guys out, I think would be a, a huge win for for college athletics if this can make that happen. Certainly, yeah, certainly for college basketball, which I think has this problem a little bit more than college football does. Um, I'm not so naive as to think that this will fix everything, but yeah, I, I think I think that would probably help. And and there's there's so many other benefits, right? We we get the video game back, which I think is what most college college casual college football fans really just want. <laughs> it also gives us, I, I think, people who are in Olympic sports are are going to benefit from this. There's there's an example. There was a there was a, a women's basketball player at Iowa, like a year or two ago who led the Big Ten in scoring and was an immensely popular figure on campus, Megan, Megan Gustafsson, I think. was, uh, And then she was a fringe WNBA player because she didn't have a great outside shot. It was a little bit undersized for her kind of position. And an entry-level WNBA gig doesn't pay a whole lot of money. But had she been able to to cut a couple of ad deals or to, to sell her likeness at the height of her popularity in a market that doesn't have any pro teams, I think she would have gotten real money. Like not a hundred grand real money, but like money that's a big enough check you're not going to throw it away. If you're a really popular, you know, swimmer or golfer or tennis player on campus, I think that you can be able to be, you know, be an Instagram influencer or give lessons on the side or get 200 bucks to go show up to a frat party because that's the kind of thing that that happens on campus. I think a lot of people right now who are effectively shut out from that ecosystem, um, who we don't think of because we're mostly just talking about big time college football players, will benefit too. Yeah, that's it. You know, I, I I cover Oklahoma State as well, and I and I've made the point in the past that you, know, you look at this, this last year, Matthew Wolf, uh, who just just went pro in in and around Stillwater, he's in, he's incredibly popular. He's very well known. His his face is recognizable. He gets the opportunity to make some money during college that he he wasn't able to. Same thing with with Dayton Fix, the wrestler for Oklahoma State. You know, the, these these other guys outside of football who where if you tried to get it where the colleges are paying these players, it's it's not going to work. But if they're allowed to go and and you know what, shoot a commercial for a, a tractor dealership, well, that opportunity is presented to guys and girls and, and other athletes outside of of the big sports, which is why I actually think I've always thought this is the better method than than having than going oh well the schools make all this money they should be paying these players letting them use their 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 name and likeness yeah there's one thing for quarterbacks who might do something nationally but locally they're still going to have an opportunity to make some money yeah and, and oklahoma state's a good example because you know that's a place where you where you have 
a significantly popular wrestling program. I, I, my understanding is your golf team is historically very good as well, yes. and it's not. Yeah, and it's not a huge city either. So th- that that would be a great example of a place where you can go be a proverbial big fish in a small pond and maybe make a little bit of extra likeness money because a lot of there's going to be a lot of businesses around Stillwater that want to be seen as supporting the athletic department or supporting that community. It, it, I can even see a world where you might be able to actually make a little bit more money on campus at a place like Oklahoma State uh, or a place like Iowa State or maybe some other kind of more rural Big 12 campuses than you might at a more urban, higher-profile school, um, which might actually help parity a little bit. You know That, that will be a fun laboratory i guess for economists to kind of play around with over the next couple of years once this actually gets into place yeah there's always the the unforeseen when this stuff goes through we all have good intentions with it but um you know there's unforeseen positives and and often there are unforeseen negatives And, and i'm curious from those you've talked to if there are any kind of unforeseen consequences that we may have be able to to see ahead of now or things that we look at and go what if this goes through like we think it will what could be some of the, the negatives to this? It's going to be a coaching challenge once some of this money gets out in the open, and, and, and especially if people have to register some of this or if it becomes publicly known who, who's making what from what. As a coach or a locker room leader, it's going to be a little bit more challenging, I think, to manage all those personalities and egos, um, especially if you have guys on the same team potentially competing for endorsement dollars. If, if, if the majority of this money is coming from local businesses rather than national brands or chains, and there's already some kind of restrictions on you know, what players might be able to do from an apparel company or from a, a food and beverage company, um, that may be difficult. Now, if you're a, a, a great coach or, or great personalities or great leaders, just like they do for, for pro franchises – are, are able to handle that, but there may be a more combustible, you know, kind of management personality wise. And that might be why some coaches are terrified of this, but that people are going to have to deal with. And I imagine there's going to be a couple of hiccups along the way. You know, we, we, I'm curious if that leads to more transfers, you know, that there was the concern with the transfer portal that we'd start seeing a, a spike in transfers. And, and really it's just become more about awareness than an actual rise in the number of guys moving from yeah. school to school. But but I could see with this situation where you see guys going, if I'm going to make any money while I'm here, I'm, I'm going to have to go somewhere where I, I can I can be the guy and, and get my face known. And you see more guys transferring because they don't have those opportunities than, than we even see now. It's it's certainly possible. Um, and, and how this this likeness legislation is crafted in conjunction with, you know, changes to transfers, which is certainly going to be something that's going to be, you know, discussed more and more over the next couple of years. That that will be an interesting dynamic to watch. So obviously, you know, we, we've talked about some of the Olympic sports people getting the benefit. And, and obviously we know the benefit for, for college football. But do we see any other just any other people who we think are, are really going to benefit from this that, that most people don't think about? Uh, you know, uh, it, it, it could be good for brands too, right? Like it's, uh, you know, if you if you if you work in marketing, some of the influencers that are generally most commonly sought after are athletes. You know, these are some of the most visible, um, you know, people on, on on campus. And so, if you're a company that's actually trying to reach people on campus or trying to reach this particular demographic, now you have access to, you know, a, a more influential pool. Um, than you had before. So I, I'm so glad that somebody's out here thinking about the brands, right? But I, I, I think they're, they'll, they'll benefit the kids most of all. Um, we're, we may potentially see some elimination of, of some more unsavory elements uh, around, around college athletics. I, I understand generationally why some people are going to be concerned about this. Um, but 
I, I, I just keep looking at it and think that the benefits far outweigh the positives. And it, it would appear that enough politicians agree that we're going to see some pretty substantial changes. I mean, for college football players, the worst thing that happens is you get a hundred bucks and a free copy of yeah. NCAA college football that you get to go home and play, which, uh, I mean, I think most, most players would be happy to have their name and face in it if it meant they get a free copy. So I, I've seen that on Twitter lots of times, right? Like I, you know, the, the big interesting question is going to be like, how big is this marketplace? How many people get paid? But presumably every single FBS player will will get some kind of check for being involved in this video game. And I, you're right. I think a lot of people, especially if you're a backup or if you're at a G5 school and you get a $100 check in the mail on a free video game, they're going to be stoked. Um, I, I, I suspect even some of those bench warmers are going to find a way to get a little bit more money than that. Like if you're from a rural area and uh, you know you you make an FBS roster and you go home, you can sign autographs even if you're not playing. Like when when I where I grew up and where I first started covering high school football in Ohio, you know, like my county produced maybe one FBS player every six years, and that guy if he goes down to the mall is a big deal, even if he's like you know a left tackle central michigan because that that's rare um that's going to happen to some of those kids too so i, th- I think there's going to be there's, there's going to be a lot more happy people than, than unhappy people i do this and i and if i remember his name correctly was it um he was a kicker for central florida who had the youtube channel that they basically told him he couldn't mm-hmm. have anymore um, even though he was making money off of it that to me is the other big benefit of this you talk about influencers is allowing these players other opportunities to make money because right now they just because they're on football they they have fewer opportunities to to make money forget the fact that there's the time requirements that don't really allow them to you know, it's hard to work a part-time job, but if you have the opportunity to to use your name like this and have a YouTube channel or have an Instagram account, uh, which would probably be easier for you to do on your own time and make money from that, I think that's a I think that's a great opportunity because it's silly to say no, you can't make money off your YouTube channel that has nothing to do with the fact that you play for UCF just because you play for UCF. So I, I I totally agree. There's there are players who want to pursue revenue streams or opportunities that are completely independent of their athletic careers that are being shut out of that right now. Like the, the UCF kicker is a great example. Um, I would not be shocked if there's a non-trivial number of people that want to just like stream video games on Twitch and you know want to get a couple of bucks for that. And I, I think that there, there there could be a market for it. You have some that want to have other independent businesses. Like if, if we're going to pretend to even give lip service about this whole student part of being a student athlete. I, I, I think this is part of it because that's something that you and I could have done when we were in school. Yeah. Look, 2023 is now the, the date. Uh, a date has been set, which I think is great because it, it kind of forces the NCAA's hand to not yep. just not just give lip service and say, well, we're, we're, we're talking about it. Now they have a date where they go, we have to have something figured out uh, before before that year shows up and this bill takes place. Because, I mean, most likely it's going to get signed in. You don't have every Republican and Democrat agree on something and then it not get signed into into bill. Yeah. That's yeah. That's that, that, that's exactly right. It's going to be fun to watch over the next couple months. See who joins them. I'm I'm not sure what what traction there is right now in South Carolina with that bill. I know uh, Axe in Tennessee and and Washington didn't really go anywhere. But I I mean I've I've reached out to my uh, state senator here in Illinois. I might encourage other listeners who generally agree with, with with this principle to reach out to their state representative wherever they are. Like that's a politician that's likely to at least pick up the phone uh, when you talk to them and see. Um. You know, if, if if additional leverage can be had, I, I I expect this to get wrapped up before 2023. Um, but that you're right, that is kind of the drop dead date. 
Matt, I really want to say thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today about this. I just, it's such an interesting topic, and, and I know we're a Big 12-specific show, but it, it has such an impact, not just in the Big 12, but across all of college athletics. And it's something I'm, I'm excited to watch continue to develop moving forward. Your newsletter is, is, is really good, man. I, I'm really glad I found this article that you, that you had. We'll make sure that it's on our Twitter account so everybody can, can check it out. But for those who want to continue to follow the work that you're doing, uh, how can they do so? Uh, thank you very much. So I write a newsletter called Extra Points. It comes out at least twice a week, and it uh, covers stories that impact what happens on the field in college football but occur off the field. So there's stories about political developments, about uh, media rights changes, which I think for Big 12 fans will be particularly of, of, of interest, demographic shifts. You know, Today I published a newsletter that looked at what states have uh, the, the, the highest declines of high school football population. And so why that might be happening and where that's happening. You can subscribe for free. There's a link on my Twitter page at Matt SBN, or you can go to mattbrown.substack.com and subscribe for free uh, to Extra Points. Matt, I just want to say thank you again. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to having you back on for the next big, uh, big college football story. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, rate and review the show. Five stars, please. It helps guests get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us on Twitter, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012podcast, T-E-N, number 12, word podcast, at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.